I'm a big fan of the Bible Project, from their website to their mobile app to the YouTube channel, and especially the podcast. I love listening to the conversations between Tim and John. I find it to be one of the more authoritative sources of information about the Bible, or at least it was. You see, in a recent episode of the podcast, Tim and John were speaking on a very familiar passage in the New Testament, and they made a claim that, quite frankly, I don't accept. Now, am I saying that Tim Mackey is intentionally spreading misinformation about the Bible? No, not exactly. But I do want to provide a slightly different perspective on it, in a way that I hope will not only honor what the Bible Project is doing, but also complement it in such a way as to help you to develop a deeper relationship with Jesus yourself, as well as understanding the place that hunger has in what I believe to be God's plan for us as his children, and how that plays out in our relationships with our own earthly children. That is on this episode of The Hunger for Connection. My name is Chef Kibby. I'm so glad you're here. Now let's get started. You found The Hunger for Connection, a show that seeks to combine the latest in neuroscience research with our shared experience of food and cooking to create a practical, approachable way for a foster adoptive parent like yourself to connect with the disconnected child in your life. You'll begin to see the challenges you face in your parenting not as a problem to be fixed, but as a hunger to be fed. I'm Chef Kibby, public speaker and biological foster and adoptive dad, and I'm here to help you feed the hunger for connection. Have you ever approached a passage in the Bible and thought to yourself, that can't be right, can it? Oftentimes, we read a passage or hear a passage read or preached on over and over and over again that we just get into this routine of accepting it at face value. But then we come back to it and read it and then realize that there's something about it that just doesn't sit right. It doesn't feel like it makes a whole lot of sense, like there's maybe something lost in translation. One of those passages is one that hits very close to home for me. It is a passage in the fifth chapter of Matthew, which is part of a larger group of verses that is commonly known as the Sermon on the Mount. And this is a portion of the New Testament in the fifth, sixth, and seventh chapters of Matthew's Gospel that are the focus this year of the Bible Project in their podcasts, in their YouTube channels, and the creation of their videos and other online content. In a recent episode of the podcast, they made their way to a passage in what is known as the Beatitudes, uh, several statements that Jesus made at the beginning of this sermon. And in the second triad, there are, I think, three sets of three statements that Jesus makes. In the second set, in the first verse, which is Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, if you're following along at home, Jesus says, Something along the lines of, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Now, the claim that, that Tim Mackey made in this recent episode is that what Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst, or I believe they said in their translation, The good life is for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, that Jesus was using a metaphor. And that I would consider to be a commonly held 
belief about this passage. Because who would believe that Jesus is actually claiming that someone would hunger and thirst for righteousness? Now, I've been around for a few decades. I have lived through different periods of my life where I've had some, some pretty odd cravings for, for, for food and beverage from time to time. But I can safely say that righteousness is not one of those things that my body has ever craved. It's not something that I can consume. It's not something you eat or drink. And so obviously it must be a metaphor, right? And on top of that, to say that someone can be happy or blessed or having a good life because they're hungry, that too doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And again, I've been around the food service industry for nearly 30 years. I've been around a lot of hungry people. And in that time, I've come to know that hungry people tend to be a little bit lower on the happy scale, if you know what I mean. Hunger doesn't tend to make someone happy. Now, it can lead to things that make us happy. Hunger can lead us to making choices for ourselves that will lead us to an experience that provides us with pleasure. But the actual experience of it, of hunger itself, is not a pleasurable experience, is it? Finally, is this idea that we can be hungry and happy with it, not because we have been satisfied, not because we are being satisfied, but because we will be satisfied. Has your, has your child ever come up to you and said, Mommy, Daddy, I'm hungry. And you've responded to them, Well, good news. You can be happy. We're going to eat in about 15 minutes. Has that ever worked? <laughs> has that ever worked to make them happy? No, because they're not saying that they're happy 15 minutes from now. They're hungry now. And so they were coming to you wanting the food now. And in many cases, especially for those of us who are on this orphan care journey of caring for children who are disconnected from their family of origin, you and I know very well that 15 minutes can feel like 15 years to them. It can feel like a lifetime because they lack some of that connection to their own body and what they're capable of withstanding when it comes to their own discomfort, which, of course, we will get to later and we will continue to talk about in future episodes of this program. And so everything about what Jesus is saying here doesn't add up. So it must be some sort of a, a poetic language. It's, it's a metaphor trying to get us to think about things a little bit differently, right? What if it isn't? What if Jesus isn't using a metaphor? What if Jesus literally means that we are to hunger and thirst for righteousness, and that by doing so, we can find the good life because we know that we will be satisfied? I want you to consider that being a possibility. And here's why. Well, first of all, let's go back and talk about our definition for hunger. This is a definition that I've brought up in past episodes of the podcast, but if you're new, it goes a little something like this. It's easy to remember. It's four Ds. Hunger is a discomfort. That discomfort is a feeling that we have in our body. That discomfort is caused by a deficiency. There is something lacking in our body. 
in the relationship between our body and our brain. There is something lacking. And that deficiency that causes the discomfort is then communicated through this discomfort into our brains. It is a message that's being sent that the brain then has to, thirdly, decode. We have to understand what message is being sent to our brain so that we can then, fourthly, make a decision to do something about it in the hopes of bringing back a sense of comfort, of satiety, of peace back into our body, and then the cycle starts over again. That's what hunger is. And that definition goes for our physical hunger for food, as well as what we call our hunger for connection, this desire for peace in relationship to our body, in relationship to other people, in relationship to our environment, and ultimately to our sense of hope and peace for the future, which in this case would be God himself. Now, it's easy to get confused about hunger because when we use the word hunger, we sometimes use it to refer to the feeling of discomfort that we get when we get hungry, but we also refer to it with regards to what it is that we desire that when we get hungry. And so we kind of put both sides in at the same time. So there's the first two Ds, the, the discomfort and the deficiency, that have to do with our subconscious body. And then we have the, the decoding and the decision-making that happens in our brain. And it's really easy for us as adults who are more fully connected, neurologically speaking, to assume that the two are completely intertwined, that the two are connected. Because for us, they are. We understand when we feel the discomfort of hunger, what it means, what we're lacking, and what we need to do about it. But if we step back, as we've done in other episodes of the podcast, and realize that our understanding of hunger is something that is built in experiential knowledge, in relationship with other more connected people, and specifically with compassionate caregivers, we realize that our understanding that hunger means we need to eat doesn't come naturally to us. It is something that is built into us through experience, through relationships. And the same can be said with regards to our hunger for connection and our desire for peace. So when Jesus is talking about righteousness, he is talking about that sense of peace in relationship. Now, righteousness, and I will give a lot of credit to, to Tim and John and the others, uh, a part of this season on the Bible Project podcast of flushing out this kind of Christianese, kind of Bible-y word called righteousness. They do a far better job of explaining it than I ever would. So I encourage you to go and listen to this episode. I will leave the link in the show notes, show notes for this podcast. But to summarize it, righteousness is not about behavior. Righteousness is not just about the things that we do. It's about a rightness in relationship. When Jesus is saying to pursue righteousness, to have a hunger and thirst for righteousness, it's not just about knowing how to do right things. It's not about being correct. It's about being right. Right with other people and ultimately right with God. And if we are pursuing that peace and recognizing that our true discomfort, 
that the true longing for peace within us, especially when it comes to our sense of hope for our future, comes from our relationship with him. And that by being in right relationship with him, that that will carry over into our relationship with others, that that is our true hunger. And that our deepest sense of discomfort, the true deficiency that we are experiencing in our lives spiritually, is the deficiency of connection with our Heavenly Father. We begin to understand that that is a true hunger, that that is a true thirst that has to be quenched, that has to be satisfied. And when we can fight against our sin nature that wants to decode our discomfort and think that our deficiency is in some other way, that is coming from something else, that maybe it's lacking in, in human relationships or intimacy or money or finances or self-worth or whatever the case may be. Our sin nature is fighting against our ability to rightly contextualize our true hunger and our true thirst for our Heavenly Father. And I believe that's what Jesus is trying to explain to us. That is a true hunger. That is a true thirst. It's not a metaphor. It is a physiological and spiritual reality. And when we begin to see it that way, we begin to understand that when we can learn to understand this hunger and thirst as a need for a right relationship with others and with God, which, by the way, fits with the two great commandments, love God, love others, it totally makes sense, we then begin to see this process of sanctification throughout our lives, of being made more in the image of God's Son, being more like Jesus, as this process of reinterpreting the signals our body is sending to our brain, of developing spiritual taste buds, if you will. Looking at it from this perspective, we can see how it is possible for us to have a good life while still being hungry because we have a better understanding. We have a closer link to what this discomfort is, that it is the natural hunger and thirst for intimacy with God that he wove into us from the very beginning because that was his purpose in creating us in the first place. Our God is a God of relationship. He had relationship before creation and created us not because he needed someone to commune with, but so that we could need someone to commune with, to commune with him. When we understand this hunger, we can be experiencing a better life because we're experiencing the life that God intended for us to experience and we have the assurance and hope that it will be brought into completion in the future because of what Jesus has said, and more importantly, what Jesus did on your behalf and mine. You see, I believe that throughout God's Word, from the very second chapter of the Bible, when we begin to see Adam and Eve sin for the first time by doing what? Eating something that they shouldn't have. God's Word is full of examples in which hunger 
is used to help us understand our desire and our need for experiencing peace with God and how easy it is for us to get lost and to decode the messages incorrectly. And so it's not a metaphor. It's not figurative language. It is an actual fact. You have a hunger for God and a thirst for him, for his word, for his, for his love, for his forgiveness, for intimacy with him. And the sooner you can begin to realize that, the sooner you will be able to decode the messages you're receiving differently and to experience more righteousness in your relationship with him and in your relationship with others, specifically the children that God has placed in your home, because you can begin to see them and their attitudes and their behaviors and the things that they struggle with as the same hunger that we experience in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. That just as we are marred by sin, they are as well. And on top of that, experiencing the, dis the disconnect of trauma and separation from their family of origin that further mars their ability to experience hunger in a healthy way. And so what I love about this passage, what I love about Jesus' use of these terms, hunger and thirst, is that there are applications for us in multiple directions. There's an application spiritually, but also relationally with those other people in our lives. And I hope that this has encouraged you to, to recognize that a part of God's plan for your life and for mine is to develop a taste for him. To understand that those things that we keep running to, thinking that they are going to satisfy the discomforts, the deficiencies that we are experiencing, are never going to satisfy. And that's more than just a metaphor. That's a reality that we experience in our lives. I'm still experiencing it. I am still trying to develop a... a more true sense and taste for him too. And I know that that's what we desire for our children as well. And when we begin to see that, we will see the beauty that God has woven into this and that he has given us hunger. That it is part of the human condition that food is something that can and should bring us together. And it's something that we need others in order to experience from the very moment that we are born. And I long, I long for that day when I get to be with him in the life to come and experience the banquet feast of the king. When Jesus comes as, as a groom to take his bride, and we sit down to the feast, and he is all that's going to be on the menu. <laughs> all that we are going to desire is him. It is a beautiful picture of God's love for you and the love for me and the love that he can embody in us as we try to bring about lasting change in our relationships with the children that God has placed into our home. So no, I don't think it's a metaphor. I understand why people think that it is. Because when we don't have a true understanding of hunger, it feels like a really weird phrase that Jesus is using here. And hopefully I have shared this information in a way that doesn't offend or, 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 or I'm not trying to refute 
anything that, that Tim Mackey and um, the Bible Project is, is putting out. I want to honor it and respect it and be so grateful for it, while at the same time putting in my two cents in the hopes that it paints a, an even more beautiful picture and true and real picture of what God is doing in our lives through this deeply embodied experience of hunger and thirst and feeding and being fed, being fed by him and being fed by one another. If this episode has served you, I would love for you to let me know by sending me an email, uh, give me a message on, on Instagram, or feel free to leave it in your review for this podcast. I would love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, I'll see you in the kitchen.